When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hello, everybody. We are back. So we had an interesting last couple of days. We've been at a conference called uh, VidSummit. It's a YouTube conference. So a lot of the topics that I think both Ben and I have are related to that. Though it's not just YouTube stuff. I'll start with the first. The, one of the interesting things in sitting down and talking to a lot of different people is that either through uh, just shorthand of conversation or the, a lack of, of deep self-introspection on the part of the person talking, it seems that people are unaware of their actual motivators and goals. So we talked to a number of people, or for instance, just one person who was like, yeah, I'd like to earn more money. I'd like to earn this much mm-hmm. more money. And then as we discussed further, it they were not willing to take a lot of steps to earn that extra money, nothing right. unethical at all, and were much more interested in other things that they did not describe as their primary goal and it just calls to mind and what i say particularly at vid summit because it's a youtube thing a lot of people view themselves first and primarily as youtubers so Mm -hmm. the metric that they care most about is views and that's like the thing that is always unspoken important (laughs) in in these sorts of things but it's uh it was just interesting for me to be on the other side of it i'm sure i've got some blind spots myself and I wanted to chat with you. I don't know if it's worth doing on the podcast, but like, are we aware of what motivates us? <laughs> because I see, I saw a lot of people moving in two directions. They would say that they wanted right, one thing. Right, they say, I want to grow my business's yeah. profit would yeah. be what they said their goal was. And they're like, what are you working on? And then they would say a bunch of stuff that wasn't going yes. to grow their profit. And then you'd be like, oh, why don't you try this thing that will do it? And we're in a position to know because for we're in many, many cases have done what they've tried to do. Um, and they're disinterested in the advice because what they're actually interested in is more clout, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, For example, yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this could just be a shorthand of conversation where they say that they're interested in this and they are aware that they actually have these other motivators. But it's, uh, it was just interesting to me because I know that this is, I think, what stops a lot of people from getting what they want is the fact that they don't uh, – they want it with constraints that they are unaware of. Yeah. Well, we're aware of the, as far as I know. I think I'm I, aware of my constraints. I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what ours is. I literally said this yeah, yeah. to you while you were talking <laughs> to Alex Hormozzi, which is uh, we say, and I think would like to grow the business, yeah. make more money, grow the reach of the channel, more subscribers and views. And we will work to that end at a level we are comfortable with that doesn't require lifestyle sacrifices. Yeah. But as soon as any, as soon as anyone has advice, it's like, dude, if you just 60 hours a week for one month yeah, and then you're going to have this massive breakthrough because it's just all about, and you'll, you're just like, no, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> Thanks. I'll just stick to the 25 hours a week thing and not grow nearly as fast. So that's the constraint that I see where we'll get good advice and be excited about the advice. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're like, oh, this is never going to happen. Yes. But I'm, I know that. I think that's I'm aware I left, of that. <laughs> I mean, that's why I left private equity, right? If I just wanted to be rich and work a lot, yeah. I would have stayed in private equity. Um, so yeah, no. the other constraint is like a complete unwillingness to try any marketing things that we think are scammy. So mm-hmm. we're just constantly getting marketing advice and then not doing it. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know our blind spots. So I guess I don't know what, what, if there's more, well, I think, but I, think, I see constraints on us where we get good advice that I know would make us more money. And we mm-hmm. just go, nah, that's okay. I think a good indicator as I was like, how could one know this about themselves? Given that blind spots are by definition blind. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do the emotional mastery course, <laughs> which like t- is the kind of the point of a lot of the exercises separate from that. It's, uh, are you moving slower towards some goals than your, you know, general life experience indicates you could towards things like are you like wildly successful in some areas and some things are just stuck that's a good indicator of 
divided desires, you know, mm-hmm. like motivators just pulling you in different directions. You're not, you're not rowing with full force. Yeah. I had a friend who was like this. He would often lament that he wished he were better with women. Mm-hmm. Smart guy, very successful financially. And that was a thing he lamented for years mm-hmm. without making any improvement on it. And he accrued a lot of wealth in the meantime. And I was like, you mm-hmm. might like wish that your dating life was better, but you don't actually care about it in any way that requires, or that that would indicate like meaningful work towards it. Mm -hmm. What you care about is accruing wealth. And I know that because you were worth (laughs) nothing when we graduated college, and then you were worth a million dollars, and now you're worth multi-million dollars, and your dating life has kind of sucked the whole time. So it's like, I know, because you're successful and you're smart, I know exactly what you're oriented towards. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, it's, if, if he actually were to take the work that he spent towards wealth accumulation, cut it in half and put half of it towards improving his dating life, it would transform in three to six months. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess that disconnect because usually it's, I I can imagine it being very helpful to know why, because probably what's keeping you locked in just earning money or just chasing views or, or whatever it is, is, uh, a motivator that you're not particularly proud of, which is why it's unconscious, I think, in many cases. Like, you're not proud to say, really, I'm committed to validation from mm-hmm. uh, the masses, <laughs> or really. Or, my, or, or your dad, or yeah, yeah. It Or, is. like, I just, like, the money is, yeah, I'll never have enough money because I want my dad to, to you know, and, he, and there's no amount of money that could possibly do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess pulling that, if, you, if one could pull the desire into consciousness, then you could potentially actually shift courses and i just see this you mentioned you know friends that that are committed to making money i see this all the time we've had you know i wish i could quit i wish i could do this it's like what are you secretly addicted to Mm -hmm. if you can if you can get past the shame of the addiction whether it's to prestige or i don't know uh i have no idea what what anybody's particular thing prestige and money and validation seem to be big ones but that you might be able to undo them but as long as they remain unconscious you wind up saying that you want one thing that is socially acceptable, moving in <laughs> another direction the entire time. Yeah. So this wasn't, this was, I mean, we're, we're kind of extrapolating based on some of the conversations that we had, but I did see at this particular thing, there's definitely people that are way more financially successful than us and that are on it, but there's also, there, there was a lot of um, views and social reach as the unspoken, consistent metric yeah. in a lot of the conversations. Or just product, or just output. A lot of like, oh, how do I, how do I make more videos per week? Mm -hmm. That's like, that's a question someone could ask. You go, well, why do you want more videos per week? Mm -hmm. Like, are you concerned in views because you want your your message out to as many people as possible? Are you concerned with making money? In which case views actually are only, you shouldn't even care about them. You should just Mm -hmm. care about making money. Or do you care about the money you take home? In which case, don't worry about views or revenue. Just measure projects and profit and pick the most profitable one. Mm-hmm. So I think you know a lot of times it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I got to get better at making more videos. And there's not as much a pause of why. And then why do you want that? And then why do you want that? And then why do you want that? Yeah. Because maybe this will orient you towards coming up with a better product to <laughs> offer people. And you don't actually need to make three times as many videos. You just need a product that people want. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's interesting. And I think that's another thing. If you find yourself wanting more of something that you've already achieved several goals in, like, uh, you know, obviously food is one that you're probably going to want more of for the rest of your life every every couple of hours. But like, you know, whether it's uh, more dates, more money, more prestige, more subscribers, uh, that might be a broken metric <laughs> in terms of actually giving you the underlying thing that you're searching for. And I think, I think there is something to be said, like growth can feel in and of itself, the process of growth can be good. But mm-hmm. I also have seen people... Uh, speak about growth as if they were as if it was the end game or it was satisfying in and of itself when i see deeper validation demons in there you know sure. what i mean it's not well, like i mean oftentimes people will quote you know if you're not growing you're dying yeah but keep is keeping the same goal you've always had and just achieving a higher numerical value actually mm-hmm. growing mm-hmm. or is growing when you move from trying to accumulate views or wealth to trying to pursue enlightenment or repair your familial relationships. Like that's potentially the more valuable growth than being like, Oh, if you're not growing, you're dying. So got to get to 6 million subscribers now that we have five. 
that's a really interesting thought is that one way to consider growth is more along the same metric. Mm-hmm. And another way to consider growth is to recognize that you need to move to different metrics that are not as easily measured and have uh, greater depth. Uh, that that's, that's even a more challenging <laughs> kind of growth. And re- more like rewarding. Going from 1 to 10, 10 to 20, yeah. Uh, I think that there's something to be said for that. Because the way that I've always framed it is like, oh, I'm not interested in growth. But it's like, well, if, I think your framing is actually more accurate and better is – that's what growth is. Growth is not <laughs> a bigger, first, first, bigger, whatever the same metric is. Yeah, first growth was I'm scared to talk to a woman I'm attracted to. Let's conquer that and get really comfortable talking to them. And then it was I'm not good at getting second dates and then whatever. And then it was I'm going to start a business and then mm-hmm. it was I'm going to accumulate wealth. But if you never pivot, if you're just constantly trying to hook up or constantly trying to accumulate wealth and you mm-hmm. do it for 70 years of your lifetime, is that really growth? Mm-hmm. I would argue you're better off growing in different ways to steel man it the process of you know for business like the person you must become to run a business that is 1 million 10 million 100 million uh, billion 100 billion dollars there are there are skills that are necessary that uh you get people skills and all those kinds of things but i point taken and i certainly agree with you is that uh yeah switching metrics is i think generally a good sign well also depends what you're oriented towards i'm oriented Mm -hmm. towards fulfillment and happiness Mm -hmm. you know so i think if you talk to elon musk or if you watch his interviews he has a lot of demons that get in the way of his happiness he has anxiety depression sleepless insomniac nights just divorces i was gonna bring that up we'll talk about it later (laughs) you know and so it's like well you know if i were a close friend of his i would suggest like hey i I love that you're trying to change the world but also like maybe there's some internal work to be done so you're not having sleepless nights, multiple divorces, all that stuff. But to him, he might say, your your goal of happiness and fulfillment is stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live a life that lacks day-to-day happiness or peace of mind, and I'm going to have my sleepless nights, but my legacy will be, you know, a, a million times yours. And he's not wrong. So it also, I think, we're just oriented on different things, you know? Mm-hmm. I wonder, I do wonder, though, if deep down the orientations aren't more similar and it's just... Uh, the assumptions that one has made about what creates pleasure, pain, you know, you can all go back to, I guess, Jeremy Bentham is like somewhere in Elon's makeup is the belief that doing important things leads to positive mm-hmm. experience. I would, I, or, or at least a, a feeling of self-esteem or validation. I, I don't know that there's any way around that trap, but anyway, you'd mentioned Elon. Do you want to talk about if you want to just the, the shorts he broke up with another, another wife and baby mama. I don't know what number this is, three or four. Uh, he's got several different kids, several different moms. He's uh, exceedingly successful in business and is... Maybe just slowly going the Genghis Kong route. Yeah. And he's, just ho- he's just hoping that in um, 100 years he'll be able to find his DNA in half the population. It's, it's not PC to say that that's what he's up to. So, so he's, he's just, just doing it very slowly. Yeah, it seems uh, he is... So he was super admired for a long time, mm-hmm. and then he became like the first or second richest, and then there was a backlash because whoever's at the top of that heap is just people hate on behalf of uh, so many degrees oh, of like capitalism. Probably still very largely but admired. But still very largely admired in entrepreneurial circles. And uh, I, I hope that people realize that you doesn't seem like you can really get one without the other. Like you can't have SpaceX and Tesla and PayPal and all of these other things without no marriages or a legacy of broken marriages. I think that those are not mistakenly <laughs> connected. I think those are probably very closely intertwined. Yeah, I don't know. What's Richard Branson's deal? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that he's not, I mean, maybe he's he's older. He's still doing a lot of stuff. And he's, I, I, I would suspect he's not as involved. These it days. just always seems, because people, people will often say, you know, that the billionaires are broken, that the bill, that mm-hmm. in order to get to be a billionaire, yet something has to be wrong with you is a uh, common refrain these days. And so they'll point to Zuckerberg or Bezos or uh, Musk. But I think there are billionaires we just don't hear as much about mm-hmm. who might be doing totally fine. Sure. So. Oh, no, I don't mean, I don't mean the billion. I mean the, um, look, he had a billion with Tesla. He had a billion with, mm-hmm. with he was almost there with PayPal. Like you can, you can do it. <laughs> And then you can get a family and move yeah, in yeah. And, and do the, that kind the of stuff. The private equity firm I used to work at was founded by Warren Hellman, and he 
started a bluegrass festival. He just retired. He yeah. loved bluegrass, <laughs> got all his favorite fans together and, and put on a giant concert for himself that he happened to sell tickets to. <laughs> it was awesome. And then he learned to, he learned to play and he plays at his own concert. Is that, is that true? Yeah, it's awesome. Is he still alive? Uh, I think he might've passed away and this was years ago, okay. but he's, um, yeah, he was, he was, he would come into the office and like banjo it up. Nice, <laughs> it man. was cool. Yeah. Um, so I have just a handful of other, oh God, I watched, uh, one thing. So we, we met a guy just very briefly, um, who does Nas Daily. I hadn't seen his content before. So I went to look it up this morning because we, we talked for six minutes, you know, not mm-hmm. that long. Uh, but I just wanted to see what it was. And the first video is a takedown video. It's just a, a hate video of it. I think when you like search that kind of, of stuff. Yes. Oh. Like the first one that popped up or not the, the fourth one that popped up. But you know how you have like the YouTube suggested and then you're like, show me the real search results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm like, God, I want to click it. I hate this stuff. But I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to check it out. And it was uh, interesting because one of the things that I experienced at this, the summit was idolation. You know what I mean? People coming up to me starstruck with just like, oh my God. And that feels good. And somewhere in the back of your head, like, this is nice, but you're not really going, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is, you know, I don't deserve this. You're kind of like, yes, this is nice. And then I watched this video. I earned this. I earned this. And then I watched the video and it was, uh, whether true or not, the, the accusations are that he had an interaction with someone and he wasn't mean to them and said things that weren't nice. And then the conclusion was total scumbag. And it's like, even if these accusations are true, which I don't believe or know that they are, I have no reason either way, uh, this just means that he was not nice to someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this doesn't mean that he's a total scumbag. And I just was, it was because it was so close. I was like, man, I see the flip side of these coins and how eager people are to externalize goodness and perfection as well as scumminess <laughs> and it's like and you get this black and white externalization of idols and people and i and i do it myself but uh oh interesting is that how you felt i felt more like people were happy like i got more of a i like your videos they made my life better vibe mm-hmm. than a oh my god it's so nice to meet you you're my hero vibe from the people i talked to they're just like oh dude your your mm-hmm. video helped me close a deal yes your video made me a million dollars or Fair. your video got me a date like mm-hmm. that was I kept getting anecdotes about their success, much more so than like, you're PewDiePie. Oh right. my God. You're right. And I think one of the reasons, and, and one of the reasons that we get that, I think is because we're, we don't attach it as much to our personalities. So there's not as much of a. I was shocked that people even knew who I was. I was like, how do you, I'm not even on the channel. It's just well, my voice. You know what it is? There's, we actually don't get people being like, uh, like, I think because he's on camera, it's like, you're such a good person. You're such an angel. Yeah, yeah. Like people don't say or think that about us. No, no, they're mostly just appreciative of that when they took yeah. the advice, their life got better. It seemed mm-hmm. very much, and I don't think this is bad. It was on like the results they had gotten mm-hmm. and really wasn't a reflection of their, of like me in a vacuum. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. That That is true. I guess what I, I think when one is uh, a public figure and your personality and image is out there, which ours actually isn't mm-hmm. in a huge way, that is what happens for sure and and for you're right for him it was some of the com the comments on other videos like you total angel this that the other thing which is just not true of anyone and then mm. these ones were like oh my god the devil mm. uh and it's it's just such a interesting psychological foible to to idolize and demonize outside of yourself which i which i believe has to come from uh an unwillingness to to see both of those sides of yourself like you know, the devil and the angel inside of you, as cheesy as it sounds, but it does sound cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was what I thought of. I was like, man, also as I was going through the videos, I was like, I can't help my limbic brain just zoned in on this one. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Limbically. And I, then I hesitated as I, I waited about 60 seconds. Like I shouldn't click this. Oh, interesting. I really shouldn't. But I was like, yeah, okay, I have a podcast today. Might make for some interesting. <laughs> oh, I just go to the, I, so I did the same thing. I never heard of him. And someone's like, oh, I'm going to introduce you to this guy. And they told me the day before. So I was like, oh, I'll check out his channel. I just clicked the most viewed thing. That oh, you made. went to his channel. I went to the, I went to his yeah. channel and I was like, which I'm going to watch one thing. And I just mm-hmm. let the people decide. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't look at titles or anything. I just went 10 million views. Yeah. I didn't go to the channel. That's the difference. What else you got? Well, this is unrelated. This is just a Timothy Chalamet video that I'm writing that I'm going to record in a couple of days. And as I was writing it, I was trying to think about it's it's about how to be attractive if you're awkward. So I was just trying to think of like, what are all the things that contribute to attraction? I was curious if you have uh, additions or changes you'd make. But I was, I was basically thinking what determines if someone is attracted to you is what you look like, how you carry yourself, what you say, 
and what they know about your achievements and your personality. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's everything else that's ever been said about attraction is just about increasing one of those points. What you look like, what you say. How you carry yourself, so you, like your body language, and then what they know about your achievements. So if they know you're a movie star, or if they know that you're a uh-huh. professional athlete, or you they can, know that you have someone money. Someone can say that about you, or you can indicate that about yourself. Um, yeah, a, a friend can, so for instance, like oh, the reason I thought of that is because it doesn't even have to be something they care about. Like I've mm-hmm. seen celebrities are in a bar and a woman won't know who they are. And then a friend will be like, oh my God, that's blah, blah, blah from so-and-so. Yeah. And you just see immediately like a flip switch occurs where now she's attracted to the guy mm-hmm. and she wasn't. 30 seconds prior. Yeah. I mean, what you basically just did with there is I, it almost what you say and how you carry yourself is you're basically saying personality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You're so what you look like, your personality and how successful you are in the world. Or what they know about yeah. your achievements. Yes. Yeah, sounds, kind of. sounds complete at that. That there's three. Yeah. Those would tend to be the things cool. that. Well, no, because the reason I asked is because I was basically going to say that, you know, part of Timothy Chalamet is attractive, but he is carried by that third part to some extent. He's mm-hmm. extremely talented as an actor and people know it mm-hmm. and that helps him. So it's like, here are the three areas. If you're awkward and you're not Timothy Chalamet, you're going to want to focus on one and two, mm-hmm. but it's important to just recognize yeah. like he is also helped by being a well, <laughs> Oscar nominated actor. So yeah, uh, for me, it's easier to think of in, in those three, which is what you said, what you look like, your personality, status and achievements charisma on command almost solely focuses on personality Mm -hmm. and we often get comments like yeah this person's attractive they're hot which is like yes that's totally true this person is this person is rich that helps tremendously Mm -hmm. uh becoming more uh say muscular or symmetrical or (laughs) whatever is in 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 your particular culture at the time there's actually there are some things that you can do in terms of physical look like the clothes that you wear how well they fit exercising haircut they can make fairly quick changes oh for sure I'm going to touch on this in, um, there's a video I'm going to do on Henry Cavill in a couple months about uh, being cool when you're a nerd. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about the fact that everybody thinks that Henry Cavill is this Greek god, but he used Mm -hmm. to be called Fat Cavill. Oh, really? Yeah. He was just a fat kid in high school that got bullied. Really? Yeah. And if you think about it, Chris Hemsworth's genetics are on par with Henry Cavill and Fat Thor, if if that was like how we only knew him, that same wearing a robe, looking like the big Lebowski. No one would say that he had great genetics. Mm-hmm. So I think there are great genetics, but I do think anyone, and Jonah Hill is another example. Mm-hmm. He was often teased for being fat, and now he's a fashion icon who's in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people overestimate how static physical appearance is. Yes, it is. And there is a degree that is static, but there's there's it's wild what you can do with like a couple months of exercise, solid haircut, mm-hmm. clothes that fit appropriately. And yeah, then, yeah, the and then one the you can't change is height. You only get two yeah. inches from your shoes <laughs> from height. But yeah, I think people, that's just my point in that video. It's like you, people thought Jonah Hill was just an ugly person and he's not. He, and you know, people think that Henry Cavill is just an attractive person. He was literally yeah. bullied in high school. And the, la- and the last <laughs> one, which is there's plenty of other things like you want to learn how to act. There's an acting channel. I'm sure you want to learn how to make money. There's plenty of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's definitely attractive to wide amounts of people. And uh, in fact, I think, at the highest level is, is the one that people respond most strongly and uh, to the exclusion of the other two. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you are rich and powerful, you can be a jerk and you don't need to be physically attractive and people will still flock to you. So that is all true. Uh, we try to focus on the one that is, that's what we've, we've decided to, personality, right? It's the quickest. It's the quickest to change. You know, mm-hmm. achieving, uh, being Oscar nominated is a <laughs> lifetime of dedication to acting. Physical appearance can change, but Working out without steroids is going. So what to are you going to say about time. him? You're going to be like, "Hey, this is a uh, this is a uh, guy for a different channel, Timothy Chalamet." I mean, does he have a personality that is? Oh no, he does. Yeah, he does. This is just my last point. Okay. Just like, oh no, he's he uh, he is simultaneously awkward and confident. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't alternate. That's the mm-hmm. weird thing about him. He's clearly uncomfortable, but also laughing and smiling and mm-hmm. very. It's hard not to smile when you watch him mm-hmm. be awkward. Yeah. Whereas sometimes when you watch someone be awkward, it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You vicariously cringe through their awkwardness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with him, you're like, oh, if this were my friend, this would be fun. Like it's it's enjoyable to be around him even when he's being awkward. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Yeah, totally unrelated. Do it. All right. Because yeah, like I said, I got sh- that's all I got this week. It's been... Let me pull it up. There's a, there's a we gotta, By the way, this is our last, I think, podcast here. 
we're we're moving. oh yeah as yeah. soon as this ends that's what i've been up to as soon as this ends we got to take all the microphones and cameras <laughs> down to charlie's apartment <laughs> for the moving company um i saw this i saw this thought experiment and i liked it and i was curious if you have anything similar that you ever do so this person says i'm 37 and instead of regretting that i can't wake up at age 18 i pretend that i'm 90 and i just woke up at age 37 again mm. i was magically given back 50 years mm. and i think that that's not uncommon for people as they get in their 30s, close to 40 or in their 40s. It's like, oh, I'm old. I'm like, ah, it's such a shame. It's, it's a nice reorientation, I think, to go, you know, probably a lot of 80 and 90-year-olds would be pretty hyped to be 34 right <laughs> Have now. a mild amount of back pain. You know what I mean? And so I liked that. I just thought that was a good, useful exercise. And I was curious if you have any similar reframes for... I mean, it's all just look left on the bell curve, right? And you'll feel so much better when you realize that Throughout history, throughout uh, most people have had it horrible. Like there's a tremendous amount of people that died in physical agony. Sometimes, I don't know, when does it come to me? It comes to me mostly when I am wrestling with a mental problem in my bed and I realize how soft my bed is. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, most people slept on the ground or, I don't know, hay for most of the, God, I don't even know where they slept for most of human history. Yeah, And this is like a, two-year-old Lisa mattress <laughs> that has a slight divot from where I've mostly laid so it's a little bit less comfortable and firm than it used to be. I don't have any go-tos, but that is one that has uh, emerged from my life. And I, I suppose what is... Yeah, I, I imagine what would be helpful is to have exposure to those sorts of things, whether it's like working in an old-person home or going to a soup kitchen or anything that moves you to surrounding yourself with people left on the bell curve. Because unfortunately media that you consume is all it's like it shows you the few people that are to your right yeah. it's like oh god this is the the handful of people that are wealthier and have more than i do and and uh it's crazy it's crazy relatively how many people have more than i do and the amount of time they take in my brain versus mm -hmm. the amount of people that have so much less than i do the amount of time that they spend in my brain it is so out of whack and i actually think i'm one of the more the more balanced people mm -hmm. when it comes to this that's really a crazy thing to think about. Just how often do you go and, and compare yourself how to... How many times have I looked at Chris Evans and been like, man, that motherfucker's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that yeah. guy. And I don't go down and look at somebody who's like a burned homeless person and be like, man, I wonder what their dating life is like. You know? Yeah. Because I was like, man, if I, if I had blue eyes and was stronger, <laughs> different. You know what I mean? Like if I was Captain America. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just... It's broken. It's Funny totally because I do have blue eyes, and our dating life has been exactly the same as <laughs> our whole lives. Yeah, that wasn't good. That Evans. wasn't good enough to convince you. <laughs> I've yeah, I've just had this idea that blue eyes would be something special. Somebody at one point said, "I've really never gotten the pretty eyes compliment." I think that's why. And one person said it, and I was like, "I love you." I think you're making that up. That's but. a good one, actually. I mean, yeah. I tr I say this in all the compliment videos, but when you can compliment someone on something that they don't hear often, yeah. It means so much more. It is funny. So I, and again, I, it means it's so stupid. Uh, people often say that I have a nice smile. Some people say I have a big fat mouth, but I, that is that the one. A guy at the conference, uh, literally, he was like, oh, what do you do? I was like, I work at Charisma Command. I run, I run Charisma Command. He's like, no, no. Where's the, where's the other guy? It's like, you talking about Charlie? He goes, I don't know. The guy with the huge mouth. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's Charlie. That's but yeah, that is one that, that washes off me. But if I ever have gotten nice eyes, that was like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it, it all along. I knew I loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good habit if you can. But it's tough because, you know, you probably don't notice or appreciate the things about people that aren't instantly grabbing. And the things that are instantly grabbing are the things that everyone else has already thought about. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess the main thing is it's worth considering if if your goal is to make the person feel a certain way. Well, saying something they've heard yeah. 10,000 times is unlikely to make them feel anything. They're probably completely yeah. numb to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true as well. Anyways, what were we talking about? Looking left on the bell curve. Yeah. So, not good. We're moving to Malibu. That's going to be, that's going to be Well, you're bad. not going to see anyone. Is this yeah, really? that's fair. You're not, you're just going to hide in your home. I'm just going <laughs> to be a recluse. Me and the coyotes and the scorpions that are out there. Anything else that you have today? I was curious. So, we talked about this and we might not have any takeaways because we haven't talked about this in detail off air. But the idea of going into an event or pursuing a goal, basically, with 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 a checklist and a game plan versus with 
a free floating, mm. I guess serendipity. Yeah, like a, like yeah. a just allowing yourself to let fate decide who you sure. interact with and let serendipity form the connections for you. Mm-hmm. How, when when do you think about doing one versus the other? You know, do you- I always do serendipity, and I'm not a good networker. Is what I've learned. I, I so I took, so our friend who is, in my opinion, the best networker I've ever met. He's like he's just punched out of his league in so many times and it's now just habit for him uh he came in with a game plan Mm -hmm. he had a full schedule and found ways to give and create value for the particular people that he wanted all conference uh the other people that i know who have done that they go in with targets with Mm -hmm. people that they want to and and things they want to invite them to or connect with them over and they are better networkers than me And, and i assess that in terms of like the value of their business grows much more than ours does from the conferences that they go to, the connections that they make, the partnerships that are formed there. Um, I just don't want to do it like that. Like I don't, that to me uh, reduces, not reduce, yeah, it, it primarily views the event, which as a business opportunity. And I don't like viewing conferences that way. I like to, do we, we wound up just shooting the shit and, saying nothing with a couple of guys for, I don't know, 20 minutes where we were just literally riffing off of each other's jokes. And I was like, there's no business necessarily happening here. We could talk business. And that is, I I paused and I was like, should I be doing this? I came to this conference. I was like, "Ah, screw it. (laughs) This is more fun for me. So yeah, uh, if you want to be a good networker, don't be like me because I'm a bad networker. And I don't want to be a good networker given the things that I would have to change in order to do it. What do you think? What are the things you need to change? I would need to, I mean, so the thing, that, and, and maybe this is a reframe. I'll talk to our friend because he actually is, in my opinion, like a super genuine, connecty, nice guy. Um, and he, he does want to connect with people. But uh, in my view of it, which I would love to get his take on, you primarily care about how people can help you. Um, and I think that he also is thinking, he's thinking, how can I help the people that can help me as I think actually yeah, what he's thinking. I was just going to say that he leads with how he can help them, but he targets, but he targets who can help him. Correct. And, and so, yeah, no, it is. Cause he really does go in trying to help these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's selecting the people that you'll connect with based on if they can help you is not what I want to do. Uh, I, I like, I don't know. I talk to people that. I enjoyed the conversation with and I sat with them for an extended period of time and they had 300 subscribers and enjoyed the conversation and, and helped. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I will ever get anything back and that is where a lot of my friends have come from. <laughs> you know, they're like people that can't help me with my business, but yeah, yeah. but I'm I'm able to do that. And then I guess I guess that's the other value for me is that the best thing that can come of this for me, given my particular circumstances, and this is not everybody, would be like one more close friend they wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons and uh, maybe not, though it would be nice, uh, like a business person who I didn't really connect with that we had to oh, yeah. then maintain contact with and like do a monthly call about a topic I wasn't that interested in. And that's the other thing that, we, that I don't do is, and you do better than I do, is um, these networking events, I realize these conferences are really good for first contact. And then what ultimately will like, create value is an ongoing relationship that usually has either planned or like you'll do a mastermind with a group of people and that keeps you in monthly or bi-monthly contact Mm -hmm. that's something that i just don't do um i see people at these events that i haven't seen for three years i'm like hey what do you think uh you are a better networker than i am by the way yeah i mean well when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess it goes back to goal. The big thing for this conference has been goals, which is I was like, what's my goal? I want to try to figure out how to replace myself as a writer, right? So I've been working with a, a woman on doing that. I want to see if anybody has done that. And no one at this conference has any interest in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, these are all people who are very focused on YouTube and growth. And they're not so much, I don't think they think of themselves necessarily as like CEOs and business people or business owners. And I think they are, uh, that doesn't, that's not a problem they've ever tried to solve. So a lot of Can these I people- Can I pause you real quick? You, you actually did something really good at this conference. You came in with one question. You're like, look, I'm going to have a conversation, but there's one question I want to ask. Yeah. And you asked that question like, hey, have you ever heard of anyone who's ever replaced themselves? And that is something that I could easily add to my repertoire that wouldn't make me inauthentic that I just didn't do. Yeah, yeah. But you did, you did a good job of that at this conference. Thanks. Yeah, and, and so then, the, but then the conference itself, I haven't found anyone who that resonates with. Like a lot, and so and so, I think in terms of forming connections with people, if I came in, I was like, "Dude, we are about to," or I don't even know what our subscriber count is. We're about to hit five, or we just hit five million subscribers, and you know, my goal is to hit ten in the next twelve months, and that's what I'm here for. I think I, a lot of people have been like, "Dude, I'm at five, and I'm trying to get to ten, or oh, I just got to ten. Let me tell you how. And so I think there'd be more excitement around that topic, but when I'm like, "Hey, I'm really trying to figure out how to just be the CEO and not the guy that mm -hmm. writes the videos." that's a very foreign thought that's not appealing. And so it doesn't create that same like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so often I just have conversations with people. I'll flag that out and they won't know how and have not shared that goal. And so then we just end up just talking about something. We're just like, all right, well, you want to just talk about surfing? Because yeah. <laughs> at that point, it's like, well, this isn't going to go. Because I don't really, I'm not looking for that 80-hour grind that, that Mr. Beast grind that's going to get him to be the biggest YouTuber on the planet. And so um, that's where the, at that point, it's like, well, we have to connect about different things besides work goals because our work goals aren't the same. Mm -hmm. I, I think I was reflecting on the interactions at the spend. I was like, I did a good job in the conversation module and breaking down <laughs> what people connect over. Because uh, I was like, look, there's three things. There's these habitual statements and questions where are you from? What do you do at this conference? You know, you know, what brought you here? All that kind of stuff. The news and some people will then just throw in like, how's local sports team doing? Some weather we're having. All of that, like, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And that's to move towards one of two places. Fun banter, which is just enjoyable and uh, is just fun to do, or values. Mm -hmm. And we are fine on the fun banter. We can, we can do that. We actually, what you want to do is get out of those standard stock questions quickly into one of the other two. And that's what the conversation module is about. So we, were, we would hop into fun banter and then pretty quickly into values. And then what we were finding is that our values, and I'm, I can sense it, do not resonate with many of the people there. There were a handful that we were able to connect with on some things. Mm -hmm. But that was something that I took from this is not a problem, but I was like, yeah, we're, it's going to be tough to form really interested connections when uh, they want that grow, grow, grow. And, and we're like, yeah, I'm 80-20 at best. <laughs> yeah. no, or even like, you know, there's a company in, oh, in terms of the fun banter is like guys I would super get along with. I would go on a snowboarding mm -hmm. trip with them and it would be super fun. Yeah. Like just really could, you could tell like good vibe between mm -hmm. us. And then it's like, okay, let's chat business. Oh, we're, we're someone that can help you get sponsors. And I'm like, I make two videos a month and yeah. I have my own product. I really actually have no interest in new sponsors. It's the mm -hmm. truth. And so then you're just like, all right, well, we flew into LA <laughs> yeah. to try to find creators that we can form this business relationship with. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yep, that's definitely not us. <laughs> and so because it is a conference that's work focused mm -hmm. versus a friend's birthday party where you were meeting them, you can tell it's just kind of like, all right, yeah, well, this is like, I'm not here just for giggles and lols and good improv games. And so after 20 minutes of that, it's like, okay, it's time to move on and go find someone who will want sponsorship money they were they were interested i mean those particular guys yeah they wanted to follow up but again they, it's they have uh, <coughs> business objectives that oh i'm not saying it's a bad yeah. thing i like those guys yeah i think those guys were dope mm -hmm. i'm just saying it's a uh 
you know, in terms of like how valuable has the conference been? Well, we won't know for two years mm-hmm. because the short term stuff is there hasn't been a match. But the reason we went is because there was a guy that you met at a conference four years ago who shot you an email two years later that totally transformed our business. So yeah. I think the other thing I was thinking about with this and, you know, people maybe will this will resonate with them. You you don't even know how valuable a relationship is. And so I think when you just try to front load that value. Yeah. You don't know. And I actually don't think it's necessarily bad. If you meet a bunch of people and don't stay in touch, then it's like you never went to the event. Mm-hmm. But if you meet people that you do connect with and vibe with, but there's no short-term value exchange to be had, that doesn't mean it was a failed networking event. And if you keep in touch and you know just stay in each other's orbit, there's a chance that in two years, one of you guys will double the other's business with an email. Yeah. So you know, I'm realizing that the advice that we often give about business is like, look, there's, a, there's many ways to succeed in business. The way that we know is we have to be passionate about the topic and then we can put in the required work to overcome things. It's the same way I approach relationships, which is like, look, I can't maintain a relationship just because it makes me money. Like I, I will not put in the effort in order to do that. So the only relationships that I can maintain are the ones that I would maintain independently of that. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe they make <laughs> money down the line. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Often, often they don't, but wind up being friends or, or. And it's hard to say, I mean, with this guy, if you'd been a year in, you're like, what has this relationship yeah, yeah. gotten us? If that's how you want to view a relationship, nothing. Mm-hmm. 18 months in, what has this relationship gotten us? Nothing. Two years in, uh, completely transformed the business and made mm-hmm. us a ton of value. Like mm-hmm. you just didn't leave the conference knowing that was the case. And so I left going. How could I possibly say if this is going well or not? I would have to be from the future. Yeah. And well, the, and that presumes that the value is, are we earning money? And, you know, I, hopefully, truthfully, I hope I met some people that I liked. Hopefully you make a friend or two, you know, I got to I got to surf. But as is tradition, <laughs> I left with one more surf buddy. Yeah, that is the thing that and I, I talked to a couple on. people that are like, yo, maybe guest appearance for d and I was like, fucking awesome. <laughs> that would be that yeah, would be a, great. I've, I've met a. TikTok guy who's apparently close friends with the TikTok guy that is going to be on D&D, yeah. which was funny. Um, but anyways, anything, any other conference stuff? Uh, no. To, cool. Let's hop to questions. When I practice charisma, everyone loves me, but only a shallow amount. When I do all the charisma things, such as compliment, help open people up, make them feel comfortable, listen thoughtfully, be the person running the conversation, etc. Those relationships don't feel very close or personal feels like everyone falls in love with what I provide, not with me. And when I turn it off, they go home. Mm. It feels like girls only like hanging out and guys like the parties and meetups I throw, but nothing deeper. Do, you, do I need to find better people or am I less charismatic than I think? I'm a Christian 20-year-old male. Well, I'm, my brain is here because I just mentioned this, but you might be doing the charisma thing from like the fun perspective, but I wonder if you're getting into values. So... People can connect on multiple levels. You can vibe with people and they will want to vibe with you as long as the vibes are good. What the vibe can then build is enough time and enough interest to move one of those like bantery questions into values. Um, so you, we were talking to people about snowboarding. You could just make jokes about snowboarding or talk about a trip that you'll take one day or tell a funny story about snowboarding. Or you could say, uh, you know, how your dad used to take you snowboarding and it made you really close to him. It's been, you know, he... He died recently, but it's the one thing that you do that like really feels like connects you to him, right? And then, oh, he's like, oh my, you know, then then you can talk about some stuff that uh, connects people more deeply, reveals the values that drive them, and is more likely to have a connection after the party is stopped. Uh, and we were more likely to make people stick around. I don't know if this is true or not, but one, one piece of pop psychology that has been passed around is also that men tend to get together over activities, Mm -hmm. common activities. I don't know if it's true or not, but in terms of, you know, I have friends, but they come to the party, but when I turn the charisma off, they leave. I I don't know what other activities you're inviting them to, Mm -hmm. but I think shared interests are where a lot of male friendships start. Start, yeah. And so, okay, you're not throwing a party, but are you going to play basketball together? Are you going to go surfing together? Do they like D&D and you like D&D, they like League of Legends and you like League of Legends. I think that it's not uncommon. I, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, so I have no idea how that works. But for me, at least, it's not uncommon for a friendship to start around that kind of stuff and then eventually come to like, you want to just get dinner. Hey, do you want to just come hang? Sit. Hey, do you yeah, want to just go? Just sit. Exactly. And yeah. eventually it's just like, hey, just come spend time yeah. and be with each other. But it's not 
often the case that that's the second time I'll see someone. I'll like no meet way. someone in a bar and <laughs> no then way. be like, oh, hey, do you want to come kick it? It'll often be surfing, basketball, yeah. jujitsu, League of Legends, something of that nature mm -hmm. that is the baby step towards, you know, a more just doesn't need any other excuse to hang out type friendship. Yeah. And I think those two bridges might help you to think about, which is, okay, start with activities, which will, which will naturally have conversation with moves towards interactions that are more just chilled conversations, you know, sitting on a couch or whatever. And also starts with fun vibe type bantery conversations, super open, super charismatic, uh, and moves towards learning about them. You know, like the truth, people often, um, I think misconstrue the charisma point because a lot of the first questions where people ask, what do you do? I'll be like, you don't even have to answer this literally. You can be playful. You can make up a job. You can talk about anything. The point is not never to address what you do, how you spend your day. It's just not to front load it because it's boring to somebody that isn't interested in actually who you are. Unless and, you can frame it as an interesting, yes. in, with an interesting angle. But at some point, you could talk about your accounting job and, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things and sort of like locate yourself in this person's real universe if you start with some of that uh, fun stuff that is more likely to make them invested in connecting with you? For me, for me, it's often meet them once, shared activity second, food afterwards third. So it's not mm -hmm. uncommon for me to be just like, hey, you want to go surfing? You surf. You're not really talking that much. You're just doing the surfing. Or like, hey, you want to go play basketball? And you just go play five on five. There's no real connection besides the shared activity. And then after it's like, oh, you want to go grab food? And now you're just in a one-on-one, -on -one, two-hour hangout. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which is very, which is a very intimate way to form of friendship sure um so that's that's been it for me yeah as far as i can think of in the in the last couple years dope all right next is the guys at the parties i go to often dismiss some of the less pretty girls as not worth my time but after they hear me talk to the girl and discover how interesting she's made her life they end up falling in love and asking me <laughs> to help them get the girl and in a lot of cases steal them away. Oh man. I feel like I do a lot of the legwork and lose out on, <laughs> and lose out to keep our friendship stable. It doesn't leave me full of resentment as much as I'm filled with a lot of loneliness. Mm. Uh, what's happening here and how do I change it or is this actually a good situation to be in? No, that well, is just not that is nonsense. Just don't Wait, if you're talking to a woman and you like her and your friend says, "Hey, I want you to set me up with her." Just say, nah, I like her. I like her. Well, I'm going to set me up with her. I want to, one thing that we established in our group, which a lot of groups don't have, and it gets cutthroat because we saw this. Here's what happens. You're at a group party, exactly what you described. There's a bunch of people around. Dudes, in order to protect their egos and not admit their fear, say, there's no one here I want to talk to. Uh, this place is ugly, whatever. One of the friends works up the courage or just doesn't, you know, isn't intimidated or maybe even just talk to someone that they're not attracted to goes up into an interaction, it goes well. That friend would teleport right next to them yeah. and insert themselves in this interaction. And try, to, try to steal the attention. Try to steal the attention and often do it in a way that would even sometimes cut out the legs. Be like, oh, how do you know this loser? You know, type, like, it's just the the worst thing. And so I saw that. I saw it creep into um, people on the edge of our friend group. And very early, we're like, here's the rules. If anybody talks to a group of people, guy, girl, or otherwise... They like get to dictate if there was any exclusive relationships coming out of them, they get the first shot at it. Meaning if there's a date that comes out of it, you have to ask that guy who's talked to the group if he would like that date or if well, yeah, you you're can kinda, then You're saying this a little bit weird, but basically like if I see Charlie talking to a bunch of women, I would go up and try to understand if Charlie was interested in one of them before mm -hmm. I would go and try to form a flirtatious connection with them. Mm -hmm. I would, it was just considered very poor form. For me to enter into the group, try to get all the attention, try to go on a date with whoever I wanted without checking in with my friend who had initiated the conversation. So yeah. that, that was just a, that was just a rule set we had for going out was yeah. <clears throat> don't be a dick. If someone starts a conversation with someone, try to figure out why. And if it's because they're attracted to them, don't try to steal the girl that your friend is attracted to. Mm -hmm. So... I don't think your friends are going to be open to that because they only stand to lose given their behavior. You know what I mean? If you're like, hey. But it sounds like they're checking in with you, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like mm -hmm. they're, they they're say, asking you to they do something say, for that. They say, hey, yeah. can you hook me up with that girl you're talking to? She seems really cool. To which I would just say, nah. oh, no, man, I actually am interested in that person. So mm -hmm. I'm good on that. Thanks, though. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like you might have some uh, in, some like deeply internalized people-pleasing tendencies. 
to that you think that your friendships are predicated on you not saying no when your friend asks for something that they want from you. Uh, and I imagine it comes out in other areas of your life as well where you feel like you need to say yes in order to maintain a relationship. That's not the case, and if that is the case with these particular people, you will need to form new relationships because, yeah, you you need relationships where you can say no sometimes to giving them what they have asked for, and in this case, it's totally reasonable, uh, and the relationship can persist. So, yeah, just say no, exactly like that. Yeah, and I guess the one thing I would say in case you don't realize this is it's totally it's – totally fine to say oh i don't want to help you to flirt with this woman i'm actually interested in Mm -hmm. this woman so Mm -hmm. better if you just let me hang out with her thanks dude that's not bad form on your part no that's totally reasonable nice next is i have noticed you guys have touched the subjects of both intermittent fasting and low testosterone levels without getting too deep into it how has your experience with intermittent fasting been like and do you know the reason behind your low test also, how did you fix it? I've done intermittent fasting for a few years and have good experience with it. However, I just found out that I have really low testosterone and have begun to think they might correlate. I'm 25 years old and my sex drive is close to zero, which affects my relationships in other areas of my life. Well, so a couple of things. One, I think testosterone is overrated in terms of being a God metric. I had testosterone of 295 and I had a totally fine sex drive. I was 220 pounds of muscle, like good athlete. I had a friend who had a thousand testosterone and he couldn't put on muscle, had no sex drive. Like we, we got the test at the same time, just laughed. We're like, (laughs) this is not how I thought this was going to go. But if this is the case, then this isn't the right God to pursue. Like if that person hadn't done that test and had done a bunch of diet stuff to boost his testosterone, he would, it wouldn't have helped. You know, clearly the thing that was affecting him was something else, whether it was too much sex hormone binding uh, stuff in his blood or whether it was well, then there's there's free testosterone which is supposed to be i don't know that you guys were able to measure that at the time he just might not have been eating enough protein mm-hmm. you know what i mean he actually might have had the testosterone for muscle building and just a terrible diet mm-hmm. or he might not have worked out hard enough instead of doing german volume training maybe yeah. he was going for uh three sets of six you know um so i think that's the first thing i would say is i think it is not in a vacuum the only important metric for energy Inside or Tracker happiness is really or good like for that. this. InsideTracker.com, you can use slash charisma, you get a discount. But uh, it not only measures testosterone, but it'll tell you free testosterone, which is related to your cortisol levels and your SHBG, which binds to testosterone and makes it like not bioavailable. Um, so I, again, I'm sure that as these metrics evolve, all of a sudden we'll learn that new ones are important. But free testosterone is the more uh, representative one of what you're able to use in your body. And even then, I would say it's not the God metric. Has has not too... I mean, I've, I know a lot of friends, testosterone, so we all got very <laughs> obsessed with this, and it, it did not one-to-one with who had the most confidence with women, who had the best physique. It just wasn't that. No, not, that's not... Listen, TRT and steroids and stuff, like they, they do help with that, but I think sometimes you can get sucked into just, oh, this one metric... Mm-hmm. matters without being like i have a vitamin d deficiency <laughs> or i don't eat enough protein uh so the, and the second thing is why was it low i know i was low i was sleep deprived i was super sleep deprived so i did intermittent fasting and it boosted it but then i also quit my job and started sleeping more and it boosted it again so i went i was like at 295 and then i was at 450 and then i was at 650 um i've never heard that intermittent fasting has can hurt testosterone, that would be novel to me. So I think that's this person's hypothesis. I would say that's never something I've read or seen from friends. If anything, it's completely neutral or allegedly helpful. But the guy who wrote the book that says that lifting weights and doing intermittent fasting helps testosterone also injects himself with testosterone. So like clearly it's not the key to quadrupling your testosterone is not intermittent fasting. But yeah, you're fine. I mean, what would I say? Have a good diet, sleep well, work out hard uh, and then sex drive wise how much porn do you watch what's your sexual experience actually, are you are you nervous is it is it that you get with uh, with women and you're aroused but then you're worried about your performance and you get caught in your head so you can't get an erection is it that you literally don't care to talk to women you don't wish there were more in your life but you just feel like you should i, I think there's a lot of ways to have a low sex drive and i think a lot of things can contribute to it besides testosterone like you could have a porn addiction you could be beating off by 
vice gripping your penis, which mm-hmm. could be affecting your ability to perform in sex. You could be so nervous when it's time to both get naked that you, even though you would like to have sex mentally, your body it isn't there and there's ways to go about that. Or you could find yourself being asexual in the sense that a beautiful woman walks up to you and says, hey, you're so handsome. And you just go, I don't care. I'd rather be playing video games. And that's its own, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to have its own set of solutions. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I would, that's the approach that I would take would be the holistic one. Totally recognize the testosterone generally correlated with increased muscle mass, increased sex drive, increased violent tendencies, like all of these types of things. Um, but very much echo what Ben would said. I would take that holistic approach. Um, and the places that I would start, if I was, if I was speaking to you, some the couple, you would guide the conversation, obviously, but initial questions I would have is, well, one, um, What's the problem for you in your life right now with low sex drive? Is that, tell me why that's a thing that you want to change. Because that would actually give me some insight into your psychology. Uh, I would ask, do you masturbate? What's your relationship with porn? Like, and if you had a active relationship with porn, that would probably be the first place that I looked. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that everybody needs to get off porn, but if oh, yeah. you have low sex drive and porn is a part of your life, that's like a, a big red flag for me. To cut porn, cut masturbating. It's a pretty solid chance that you'll boost your sex drive. Sure. Or, and the other thing, it can go in the other direction. It's like, I never masturbate. It's like, okay, we might need to, like, you know, uh, schedule some time for you to reconnect with why that feels good for, mm-hmm. for people. Um, so, I, I, not knowing how you would answer those questions, I can't go further than that. I also, and sometimes low sex drive is actually a cover for fearing rejection. Mm-hmm. You go, I, if I don't want sex... I don't have to worry about approaching women. If I don't have to worry about approaching women, I don't have to worry about them rejecting me. Sometimes so. it's a cover for having taste and, you know, on, on not the bad, but like the far end, it'd be like you're gay, which I'm not saying you are, but it could be like having a taste that doesn't fit in with what is mainstream attractive. So you think you're supposed to be attracted to the girls that look like what all of your friends are attracted to and you're just not feeling it. What you're hiding from yourself is that you're attracted to people who might get people you teased, but that's where get your you teased, But that's is. where you're like, ah, that turns me on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like there's, there's a likely a disconnect from your turn-ons because for, for, it can be a hundred different reasons. One of the reasons is that it's not a popular, cool turn-on. Um, so that would be where I would start and not with testosterone, though there are people that like, that's, Hey, let's just go biological and, and boost this one number. Um, and that can have an effect. So, all right. Last one is. What are your thoughts about Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism and the virtue of selfishness? I only know a little. I've read, I mean, I've read a little, but it was a lot, like over 100 pages of Atlas Shrugged, which gets you not very far into it. I've never even tried. Um, so I don't know a ton about the, like, the philosophical part. I can say that I thought the book was way too long. Uh, I thought that its characterization, and this is only early in the book, of people as either moochers or providers was a caricature. Like there's elements of, of that that are true. Um, and I don't exactly know how she addresses selfishness. I think that selfishness often has uh, a bad rap. I was talking to someone yesterday about how altruism, if you, you know boil it down, the most altruistic act is to feel good in some particular way. So I don't know how she... Uh, what her concept of selfishness is. I know that she's a defender of it. <laughs> uh, so I couldn't, I couldn't say if I think that her particular concept of selfishness is good, bad, uh, appropriate, or inappropriate because I'm not totally familiar with it. But yeah, wasn't inspired to keep reading. Other people said The Fountainhead was a better book for creators, but I just was like after... I got felt burned by Atlas Shrugged because it's, like, <laughs> it's like actually after the Bible or something. It's one of the most popular books out there. It's, I tried. I really did. <laughs> I mean, the Bible's a tough read too. Yeah. Bible's, I tried to read the Bible as well. It was tricky to get through. I, did, I got about as far, like, you know, maybe one-tenth. Is that it? Yep, that's it. Okay, cool. We might do patron questions? Yep, we got a bunch of patron questions. Okay, so we're going to hop over to Patreon now. If you guys want to see those questions, feel free. Any dollar amount keeps the podcast going and gets you access to everything we're going to say over there. So hope what? to see you there. Either way, cheers. What are we talking about on the patreon so this week we've got why people keep failing their habit changes uh if friends make good romances and then uh the best way to learn philosophy without a degree like charlie nice cool 
Hope to see you guys there. Cheers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.